Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's so good to be with you again. God's good, amen? And I think this is a special place. God's up to something good. He's very, very... um, Oh, God has an intentional sense of purpose for our lives. Uh, But who knows? It's one thing to dream. It's another thing to fulfill those dreams. Anybody? Right? It's one thing to have hopes, to have intentions. But I realized one day, probably about four years ago, and I'd been in ministry probably about 25 years then, Dreams and prophecies are one thing, but you needed to be tough to fulfill them. Come on, somebody grunt at your neighbor. Grr. Right? You've got to be strong. And uh, I've discovered lately that uh, weakness is really boring. I think sometimes we use weakness as an excuse. And uh, for, oh God, don't, you know, don't pressure me too much. But you know what the Bible says? Let the weak be, say that I am Strong, come on. That's the whole point of the gospel. Weak people becoming strong. That's our God. So any any weak people here today? Great, we're all weak. But I want the power of God to get through to this weakling to the point where this weakling becomes strong. Right? So you got wimpy Gideon in a wine press, but somehow he transforms the nation. You got big mouth Peter running from the accusations of a young girl, and suddenly he becomes the mouthpiece of the early church. That's what God's all about. He makes us strong. Amen? So um, I got a book. It's all about that. So I'm going to give it to the guitarist over here. You're smiling at me. And anybody that smiles at me, I appreciate. So it's a book. There's also a devotional downstairs, which is different to the book. It's 40 Days of Getting Stronger. And as well, on most of my books, I've got online courses that go with them. You can get videos, audios, and go through. If you want to hit a subject like moving in healings, miracles, and prophecy, you can get right into it and do a whole series of teachings on it or prophetic leadership, stuff like that, and uh, praise and worship and stuff. Uh, I just feel like God is leading his church into a new school of the spirit. I love the training stuff that you're doing right now. I believe a fresh authority is being released across the church. And for some of us, that means we need to go back to the school of the spirit to say, God, I'm looking at some of you in the room, only some of you. God, the level of prophecy we got to in the 90s was not enough. We need to go higher. It's great to prophesy about flags and doves and all that kind of wonderful, great. But how about details, right? How about going up a level and go, come on, God's voice, I believe in this day, is being amplified, right? Why? Not just because God wants to get louder. The authority of the church needs to rise. The still small voice of God is not the only voice of God. He also speaks like a trumpet. Right? He speaks loud and clear. And if we could begin to grasp the voice of God at a higher level, well, let me tell you, this is how miracles work. When you ask for a miracle, God often doesn't give you a miracle. He gives you an instruction. When you fulfill the instruction, you get your miracle. God, Jericho's awfully big. Shouted it. Can you imagine if the children of Israel at Jericho had been English? 
We'd have loved the six days of silence. We'd have got out the cups of tea and the cucumber sandwiches, right? We'd have been quietly going around the walls. They were just, shh, we're doing spiritual warfare. Keep it quiet, keep it quiet. We're binding the strong man. Ooh, aye, aye, aye. Ooh. But then on day six, when Pastor Joshua gets up and says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Many English people go, oh, we can't do that. We're Anglicans. We can't do that. That's Welsh, if you're wondering what that accent is. It's, it's Welsh. Sounds a bit Indian, but it's supposed to be Welsh. Miracles come when we obey the commands of heaven. Authority flows. I mean, Phil, you were just touching on it. Jesus was filled with the spirit of the Jordan, but then straight away, beginning of Luke 3, it says, then he was full of the Holy Spirit, then he was led by the Spirit. Then he went through the wilderness where he proved he had a sharp mind that went with the infilling of the Spirit. When you start to get a sharp mind, a strong mind, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's where miracles exist. When your spirit and your sound mind begin to align, miracles break out. So Jesus came out of the desert, having proved his flesh was under the control of the Spirit of God. You're really hungry? Turn those stones to bread. No, 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 I'm not here to abuse the Spirit. I'm saying, it is written. I don't know about about you, but when I fast, I get visions. Normally of roast chicken, right? (laughs) But Jesus was proving his flesh was under control. No, 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 I'm just here to obey. When in... (laughs) Don't you get roasted? Pizza. (laughs) Jesus. There is more feasting than fasting in the Bible. Anyway, when you get filled and you you start to be led, you start to hear that voice, and then you get your mind to line up with the voice of God, you'll begin to walk in authority. I discovered very early on, being filled is not enough. You'll end up a frustrated charismatic because you'll sing, we are more than conquerors, but you can't conquer a peanut. Right? More than a conqueror. Get the flu every year. (laughs) No, no, no. Be filled. Be led. Be sharp. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. doesn't matter how filled you get, as a man thinks, so is he. That's why many people roll on the floor, but their lives are a mess. You have to bring your mind up to the level of your spirit. Then authority flows. Ooh, cool. That's just for free. That's not even my word. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's preach another one. Who was here this morning? No. Who wasn't here this morning? Wave at me. Where were you? I missed you. It was amazing. I mean, compared to this morning, this afternoon's word is rubbish. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be powerful. Come on. Let's trust God, shall we? Um, oh, there's some, some ladies here that I... Uh, now, was it just you that used to be at Hunstanton? Do you remember me from those days? The, the, the early 90s, mid-90s, I think that was. Oh, who wasn't born in 1990? Put your hand up if you weren't even born in... Ni- Wow, whole human beings in the room. It's like, it's like the England Football Club. Most of them didn't exist in 1990. Well, good heavens, these hulking, great, sweaty things, and they didn't even exist. Unbelievable. Anyway, I was a worship leader in, in 1990. And down at Hunt Stanton, which is the Norfolk coast, there was a lovely retreat center I used to go to. And next to the retreat center were some stables, and they used to, how can I put this nicely, correct naughty horses. Okay, to get horses that were going a bit loopy, they'd, they'd kind of retrain them back. And, and I remember once I was staying there for a little while, and the guy that would correct the horses, he said to me, hey, do, do you ride? And I said, uh, yes. And I'm, I'm like, why did I say yes? I, I mean, I've ridden a couple of times in my life. I, yes, I ride. He said, do you want to ride right now? I said, yes. 
because um, I've got a horse that's, that's nearly ready. I think he's pretty okay. We could go out on the beach with the horses. And I went, that could be fine. So he got a little pony out, and then out came my horse. It was a police horse. It was massive. I climbed up on it. I looked like a pepper army on a barrel, this massive police horse. And I can't really ride very well at all. And we walked down to the beach, and then we're just walking along with the horses on the, on the beach. And he said, so can you trot? And I said, yes. And, uh, and so we started to trot. Have, have you ever trotted on a horse? It is the most painful thing a man can do. You sing like Michael Jackson after just a mile. So we're trotting down this beach, and uh, I'm, I'm just beginning to bound around it. But slowly, the trot, this naughty horse, remembered it was naughty. And I think you could tell I had no idea what I was doing. As the trot turned into a canter, and the canter turned into a full-throated gallop down Hunstanton Beach, I'm there with my arms out in the air, screaming, my feet are out the stirrups, not the classic riding position, and I'm going, ah, as I head down the beach on this massive galloping police horse. I'm screaming, I'm shouting, Jesus, mummy, anyone. I'm, sc- I'm trying to think, where can I jump? You know, where, where, where's the soft sand? I'm very high up, too scared to jump off. And then I hear it behind me, this galloping of this little pony. And my friend is shouting, and trot, and trot. And of course, it was a police horse. It would obey verbal instruction when it wasn't being so naughty. Thankfully, it heard the and trot, and the horse clicked back into a trot, and my life was saved. (sighs) You might wonder, where is he going with this story? (sighs) Preachers can do this, only good ones. Right. You know the scripture. You know, I'm feeling naughty this afternoon. You know the scripture, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know it? It literally means if you join yourself to God, he will join himself to you. I joined myself to that horse. (laughs) And I started to have the ride of a lifetime. Now, I'm not saying that God is an out-of-control horse. Please, you know. But I am saying God is so much more powerful. I mean, really, when you say, I surrender, you are joining yourself to the mightiest warrior the universe has ever known. He stands tall above the world's highest skyscraper. His intelligence beats every university that ever has been. He knows more than Wikipedia. He is more than the Encyclopedia Britannica. He is all power, all strength. And us little human beings are going, oh God, I will join myself to you. You you are in for the ride of your life. And we think, oh, it's going to be lovely. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, it's going to be so lovely to be, you know, people say, Jesus is peace. Oh, yes, no, no, he's more than that. <laughs> You're going to need this bit. He's the peace that passes understanding. In other words, somehow you don't get it. You're on the back of this mighty thing and you are running at 300 miles an hour. You don't even know how you got there, but somehow you know, somehow this is right. That's what it's like to walk with God. If you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help. Think about it. If ever you see someone doing something that's superhuman, they've joined themselves to God. Well, what I was talking about this morning, and I'm going to continue this afternoon, is when we're walking with God, I want to, 
I want to encourage you. This is some knowledge that you need if you are genuinely going to become a mature Christian and not give up halfway through. Your walk with God is going to be a wild ride. It won't always feel as nice as those lovely meetings with goosebumps. Right? There are going to be times at three in the morning when there is no worship leader in your room, but somehow you need to join yourself to God. There are going to be moments when your career is going wrong, your life is going wrong, when it is a struggle. Everybody say struggle. But in the struggle, you need to realize that God is in the struggle too. Okay? We were looking at Genesis 32, and let me continue. Let me read it to you, and we're going to just go further with it, okay? And this is the story of Jacob. Jacob, it says, was left alone in, in uh, Genesis 32, 24. And a man wrestled with God. The title in my NIV is, Jacob Wrestles with God. Do you know that God is a wrestler? <laughs> You've joined yourself to a wrestler. (laughs) I mean, no wonder it's going to go nuts sometimes. You need peace that passes understanding. What's going on? I don't know. I've tied myself to God. And we think it should all just go smooth. No, no, no. You've tied yourself to God. So here's Jacob, he's left alone, and a man, God, wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. In other words, he hurt him, but he still didn't let go. Then the man said, let me go, it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See, understand, when God brings you into the struggle, his, his, his intention is to promote you and to bless you. He will turn around everything that was meant for your harm and turn it for good. Anybody say amen? Amen. Then Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Wow, wrestling gets you through to a new identity, right? Your name will no longer be deceiver, Jacob. That's what it means. But Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Do you realize that the name for the people of Israel, God's people, simply means those who struggle with God? As a pastor, lots of people come to me and go, I'm struggling. And my pastoral kind response is, oh, good. I want to just release something in the room right now. We're meant to struggle. I'd be worried if you didn't struggle. I'd be worried if you didn't find prayer frustrating sometimes, people frustrating, growing in God frustrating, the Bible frustrating, revival frustrating, miracles frustrating. We're supposed to be, this is how God views his people, struggling our way through to maturity in God. It isn't always going to feel like a service all the time. Sometimes it's going to be, what on earth is going on? And God's going, I've got you in my half Nelson. Don't you tap out. Don't you give up on me. Don't let go just because you're hurting. I am bringing you through to a new maturity. See, without the struggle, there is no rising in the places uh, of authority in God. Amen? And it ends there. Jacob says, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it's because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. This morning I talked about hanging on even when it hurts. I spoke about wrestling and struggling into the high call of God. It's not an easy thing when you say, I'm going to follow God. Remember when Elijah called Elisha? And then he's like, okay, I'll follow you. And, and Elijah goes, oh, what have I done to you? <laughs> Do you know when you, when you really respond to God? God's like, oh dear, what have I done to you? You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. 
take up your instrument of execution. This is going to hurt a little bit, but boy, oh boy, if you run with me, if you get to know me, if you walk with me, it's going to be a bit wilder than you imagine right now, but if you walk with me, I will make something remarkable of you. But there are going to be painful days, difficult days, difficult ways, and at times you're going to think, God, I want to tap out. I want to get out of this. But God says, no, 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 keep going. The struggle is me. Right? And we struggle our way through to the high calling of God. We struggle our way through to revivals. There is no revival without finding a few revivalists, usually before it even starts, that are so frustrated with life. Anybody ever get frustrated? Yeah? I've got a ministry of frustration. Honestly, and irritation. They're my dual anointing. Irritate and frustrate. Because I can't stand the status quo. I don't want to play at church. I want God. But that means, like so many revivalists, when you read through history, they sit there going, this is not enough. God, church is driving me crazy. God, when are you going to break through? When are you going to come through? What are they doing? They're God's strugglers. Not God's smugglers. Let's rewrite the book. God's strugglers. God's looking for strugglers. Are you struggling? Good. It means you've started to join yourself to God. And you're not going to just humanize this thing. You're going to let him lift you through the wrestle. You're going to wrestle over your internal thoughts. You're going to wrestle over your insecurity. The biggest one, you're going to wrestle over your pride and your ego. And boy, God wants to wrestle you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to bring you through to the fullness of Christ. Somebody say amen. You've got to wrestle. You're going to wrestle and you're going to struggle in the area of people. (laughs) I don't know about you. I wish I could become mature just in a, in a room on my own praying in tongues. Anybody? I am now. Put me away for 10 years. I am now a mature Christian. Actually, you'd be a loon probably after about 10 years. You notice kind of, you know, gunmen, when you read about shootings in America, it's always a lone gunman. He was a bit of a loner. In other words, widow. In other words, there's something about each other that struggles us to maturity. Now, I know the NIV puts the title as Jacob wrestles with God. But actually, I think he wrestled Esau. Because only a few verses later in the next chapter, uh, uh, Jacob has said of the experience, I saw God face to face and my life was spared. Right? When he meets Esau 10 verses later, he says, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. You see... (laughs) Jacob wouldn't beat God in a wrestling match, right? But he recognized that even when we're wrestling with people, often we're wrestling with God. In the face of the conflicts we're in, we find the face of God. There's pain in our conflict, but it doesn't mean that God isn't in it. God is doing something powerful, right? I mean, he wrestled with God all night. Has anybody ever ever watched a fight? How, how long do fights normally last? Anybody been in a fight ever? Put your hand up. Come on. How long did it last? Come on, be honest. Because these guys wrestled all night. No, I mean a proper street fight. Seconds, right? 30 seconds. Is a, I remember I grew up in Gibraltar, so the most fun thing was when the Navy boats would come in and all the sailors would get so laced they'd just be fighting. And I'd walk around as an 11-year-old watching them. Terrible, isn't it? And i just see, but you watch these sailors, and honestly, it would be a long fight for them to go at it for two minutes. He wrestled God all night. Was it God? I don't think so. 
some say, well, maybe it was an angel. An angel could strike down 10,000 people in an evening and not even break a sweat. So it ain't an angel. Actually, in his human circumstances, he's wrestling with God still. I don't get how you're in this, God, but somehow you're in this. And I'm wrestling through. Don't forget that some of your human conflicts, God is right into the center of them saying, wrestle through with me. Don't go, but that's just a person. I have my rights, right? Come on, millennials. Ah, you can't tell me what to do. You, you, you go on my Facebook page. They go nuts. We don't realize God is in each other. And sometimes God is putting people in our face to bring the God out of us. And we, we're saying, God, bind my boss. I bind him in the name of Jesus. And God's saying, no, I put that boss there just for you to wrestle you through to maturity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, if we really believe in God, you've got to understand that God is sending you angels unawares at times. And he's going, let me just see how you cope with this one. Let me, let me pull you through to a new place. But all the time he's like, I promise you, I'm still just trying to use this to promote you. Even if the brothers think of Joseph, mean it for harm, God says, I will use it for good. Yeah. You've got to start seeing God in every situation. Say, God, how do I grow in you out of this? Yeah. Because I refuse to be defeated by my circumstance. I'm going to rise above. Yeah. Even human conflict. I was sharing in the first service how a few years ago we had a suicide. We had about 150 people leave the church in one go. There were lies, all kinds of stuff going on, all disconnected from, from each other, but all happening at the same time. It was a mess of a year. I've got to be honest, I was like, God, this is just dark. I think I said, I think I said it this morning. For about a year, my only prayer was, God, heal my broken heart. That's all I could pray. But he is the healer of the brokenhearted. Come on, he binds them up. But let me tell you something. I would never wish that year on anyone. But our church is stronger, better, more together, bigger, more united than ever since the worst year of our existence. See, if you stay soft before God, he will always turn every difficulty for good. That's our God. That's our God. This is another area. We're going to wrestle through crisis. As we struggle through crisis, you're going to find God in crisis. I know you want to find him in the prayer meeting, but you're probably going to find him in crisis. In that dark year, I've got to say, I had more visions of Jesus in that year than ever in my life. In my darkest year, I saw him. I remember about Nine months into me seeing almost daily visions of Jesus in this dark, dark time when all I could pray is, God, heal my broken heart. My wife showed me this painting that an artist friend had drawn of what they thought was the face of Jesus. And she showed me it on her phone in the kitchen and I just looked and I went, yep, that's him. (laughs) I just burst into tears. How many people, and trust me, he wasn't kind of blue-eyed with long blonde hair. God comes so close in crisis, Right? Just when we think it's going wrong, we've got to start trusting God that somehow he's making it right. That's the power of our God. Think about, think about Moses. You know, when, when, when Moses was born, it was a little bit like when Jesus was born. Uh, Herod was killing off all the babies in Jesus' day. Is that right? All the little boys. And, and Pharaoh was doing it in Moses' day. And so 
Moses is born and he's seen as this remarkable little baby. So, so the sister takes Moses, puts him in a little basket, puts him among the bulrushes and then goes and hides and watches what's going to happen. You know the story, right? Imagine as there's the baby in the bulrushes and the sister's watching to see what will happen. And then of all the people that should come along that day, Pharaoh's daughter starts going in to, uh, and, and being around the bulrushes and bathing. And she's like, no, 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 of all the people, not someone from the royal household. These are the guys killing the babies. And I bet she was there praying to Lord Almighty God, don't let him cry. Moses, do not cry. Don't cry. If you cry, it's over. And then her prayer isn't answered as Moses starts to cry. Pharaoh's daughter noticed the little, ba- little basket. Bring me that basket. And the daughter's thinking, this is it. It's over now. Crisis. The worst thing has happened that could be possible. And the basket is put in front of her. But I think of all Pharaoh's household. You know, we have different personality types. I think this princess would have been the nurse. Not the accountant, not the estate agent. This was the nurse of the family. And her heart was moved seeing this little baby. And she said, no, 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 no. We've got to look after this baby. Thank God for big sisters. Big sister runs up. Do you want someone to look after the baby? Well, that's a good idea. So big sister runs back to mum. Mum, you can look after your own child and they're going to pay you for it. <coughs> Thus family allowance was begun, right? <laughs> and so mum got to look after her own child under the protection of Egypt and paid to do it. Just when you think it's all going wrong, actually it's God saying, no, it's all going right. We've got to start to trust our God. And where there's a God, don't let him cry as if we control what's going on. The sooner you realize you're out of control, the easier life's going to get. Lisa Bavir, out of control and loving it. Come on, sisters. Right. We've got to realize if you pretend to be in control, you're going to have a lot of stress in life. The sooner you realize, no, no, no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will build a highway under your feet. My job is to trust. I'm no good at caring. I've got to cast my cares on him. I'm designed to trust, not care. I trust you. I trust you. And there, little Moses. I mean, God's so perfect. He grows up among the pillars of the Egyptian royal household. Not even knowing that he's developing muscle memory and and understanding about how the Egyptian household works. So that when he does walk in there, he has a knowledge and a muscle memory that God put in there from a youth. God's lining you up for greatness, even in crisis. He's great. He's more powerful than you ever imagined. We think the will of God's got to be some kind of tidy tightrope. Let me tell you, you've got to understand the grace of God. He's powerful. Moses gets to the end of his life, and he makes a mistake near the end of his life. Do you know the story? Instead of speaking to a rock, he strikes it. And God says, that's it. You're not going into the promised land. And he dies and hides his body. Never, his body's never found. you know the story? I mean, I read that, and I think, God, were you in a bad mood? Do you ever read the Bible and think, were you in a bad mood? That's just a really, he's done all that for you. And then he just... Hits a rock instead of speaking, and that's it. You've had enough. And you, you take him out, and he doesn't get his dream fulfilled. But you see, you've got to see life from God's perspective. Right? God, I don't believe God was being cruel to Moses. I believe God was being kind. I believe if he'd let Moses have the choice, it would have been something like this. Moses, you can stay down here with these whinging Jews. And they were. They were grumbling and moaning and moping, right? 
Or you can come to me now, and the next thing you're going to know is you're going to be stood in the promised land next to the Messiah and one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. What's your choice? You see, when God took Moses, it's kind of like, you're not doing so well at this now. Let me bring you to myself. You've got to have an eternal perspective. Let me bring you to myself, and I will place you in the promised land. You see, we will live more than these 80, 90, 100, 100 and whatever years on earth. No, no, no. You're an eternal being having a temporary human experience. Sometimes when we think he's being cruel, there are things going on that we don't even understand. I remember having a dream one day, and in the dream, I was, one night, (laughs) uh, in the dream, I was on a wooden balcony with Jesus. And he turned to me, and he showed me a little leaf. And he said to me, this is your life. I'm like, okay. I didn't quite know what was was going on at this point. This is your life. And then I kind of looked up instinctively in the dream, and I realized I was on a balcony overlooking what looked like an Amazon forest of trees, as far as the eye could see with waterfalls and disappearing in valleys and mountains off the horizon. And God said to me, he said, with a leaf, this is your life. And then he said, and this is your eternal life. Wow. See, you're obsessing about this little thing that is today, the bills for this month. The, the, the mountains that you face right now in the light of your eternal history are molehills. Jared realized that one day when you've been there 10,000 years, bright shining like the sun, you'll have no less days to sing his praise than when you first begun. The things that you think are great and powerful and difficult now, you'll realize a million years from now. Oh God, it was nothing in the light of eternity. I'm an eternal being walking with God. When we see things from heaven's perspective, you'll see Moses rejoicing. He'll be saying, God wasn't cruel. God was kind. He may not always be fair, but he's always just. You will not accuse God of cruelty. You will realize one day, he understood it all. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know holds tomorrow. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. That's our God. Right? When everything's going wrong, it can be going right. Paul and Silas. When Paul had set out, this is around about Acts 16 and just before. When Paul set out, he was sent out with Barnabas. Do you remember? They prayed. Barnabas, what does his name mean? Son of encouragement. It's a good name, isn't it? But then he has this big row. Who knows that rows happen? If you don't know that, you've only been going to church for a short time. Even with Christians, rows happen, right? And so Paul and Barnabas separated. He ends up with Silas. I mean, could his name be any more miserable? Silas. I was with Barnabas, now I'm with Silas. And Paul is responding to the call of God. And Paul and Silas find themselves in a prison in Acts chapter 16. You know the story. It's nighttime. It's a dungeon. I'm sure they're sat there going, what are we going to do? And I bet Silas is being super miserable. Oh, no. Why did I have a side with you in this argument? I've ended up down here. And Paul is probably going, oh, I wish I had Barnabas right now and not you misery guts. And I bet Paul was just thinking back through the times when people have praised God. They might be sat in a dungeon, but they've sung as if they're seated in heavenly places. They might be slaves, but they're singing as if they're free men. Jehoshaphat, Jonah, I bet he goes back through history saying, you know what, when you sing Psalm 18, when you call on the name of the Lord, he rides clouds like chariots and comes down into your world. Maybe, Silas, we should praise God. Oh, if you really want to. 
What shall we sing? And I bet Paul said, great is thy faithfulness. Silas would have gone, it's not written yet. Their backs were beaten. All they can hear is rats and the scurrying of, of cockroaches and chains. And they're in agony. It's all going wrong. But it's about to go very right. And so they praise God when it's going wrong as if it's going right. And you know the story. They sang. God came down into that, into that prison. The jail doors flew open. The chains fell off. But here's the miracle. In walks the jailer, who's just about to kill himself, thinking all of the prisoners have got free. But you know the story. He ends up leading that whole household to the Lord. And little did he know, he wasn't in a prison. He was about to have his very first partners convention for Paul Ministries. You see, it's the Philippi church that funded his missionary journeys. He was about to meet his greatest funder. It's all going wrong. I'm in prison. No, no, no. I'm lining you up with money. Okay, keep me chained. I'm fine. <laughs> right? It looks bad, but I'm lining you up with blessing. Are we bold enough? Are we trusting enough to say, God, it looks bad, but I'm trusting you're lining me up with blessing. I'm trusting you that no, there are no plans to harm me in your heart. So God, when it looks like it's going wrong, I'll wrestle through the crisis and I'll find what's right about it. Listen, God's designed you to struggle through the blessing. You getting something from that? There's something in the struggle. And if we can grasp what God is doing in the struggle, even in crisis, you're going to find he was right there. And he promised you, even if I didn't send it, I will work all things together for good. One last one. We've got to struggle through our shame and our weakness. I talk to some people and it's as if The will of God is a tightrope to some. But I want you to realize the amazing power of grace. I want to talk to those that have struggled, gone through crisis, given up. I want to talk to those who are divorced. I want to talk to those who have gone through sickness. I want to talk to those that lost everything. I want to talk to those that have been bankrupted. I want to talk to those where your kids are gone from God. Right? Real life. See, God isn't just into shiny Christians. He has only ever worked with broken people. In fact, he specializes in picking up broken people and making something remarkable of them. Right? Think of King David. Right? Wonderful guy. He he wasn't plan A for God. In fact, he wasn't even plan B. By the time you get to David, you're on about plan C. So plan A was there will be no king. I will be your king and I will speak to you through prophets. That was God's plan A. But the people wanted a king, isn't that right? So he gave them what they asked for and he gave them King Saul. Saul didn't do so well. So then along comes David, plan C. I want you to understand, this is the power of the gospel of grace. In God, plan C can be even greater than plan A was ever going to be. I know our minds cannot grasp that, but that's our God. David, who then we know later on went on to commit adultery and murder the husband of the woman he made pregnant, right? So now murderer and adulterer, God turns around. Listen, when Jesus turns up, he says, let's call him the son of David. Man after my own heart. Are you kidding? So the child that they have, him and Bathsheba, dies, but then they have another child called Solomon. 
Why Solomon? Plan E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. We think there's one plan. No, 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 no. In God, plan B can be greater than plan A. Right? If you believe the gospel truly, I'm not advocating sin for one moment. I'm a pretty conservative preacher. But let me tell you what I've seen about the grace of God. Those whose hearts stay soft, those who stay repentant before God, oh God, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. God, I've messed up, help me. God has a way of lifting you up and make it even better than it was. Can you imagine your Bible without the book of Psalms? It's plan C. And you go, but it's my favorite book, right? It's the one you turn to the most. You're thinking about it. <laughs> she likes Jeremiah over there, I can tell. <laughs> kidding. Can you imagine your Bible without the book of Proverbs? That's plan F. See, God isn't sitting on a timeline like we are. God is looking at our whole life and he's saying, I know what's about to happen. And I know how to bring incredible grace out of your crises and your shame and your weakness and your mistakes. That is the power of our God. I don't care what you've been through, as long as your heart is soft right now before him. Get before him and say, God, I've messed up. I'm not where I want to be. But God, can I start again? And God's like, yes, I'm the God of new beginnings. Yes, you can start again. Yes, get a hold of my grace. Learn the lessons that you didn't learn before. And come on, let's make it better than it was ever going to be. Because that's the power of our God. That's the power of our God. His grace is that powerful. Out of pain, he will bring purpose. Out of crisis, he will bring blessing. That's how God, oh boy. You know, people talk about the 12 tribes of Israel as if they're the Waltons or something. Nobody remembers the Waltons. What about Little House on the Prairie? The 12, all these lovely 12 brothers. It was like Dallas. There was four different women. Maybe five. We're not quite sure. In other words, to us, we would go, that's a bit of a moral maze and a bit of a mess. And God's going, my people. What do you understand the grace of God? Not for one moment am I advocating go and sin. But what I'm saying is, it's not if you sin, it's when you sin. You have an advocate. And he says, come on. I know humanity. I work with brokenness, it's what I do. So you're divorced, don't you live second class? So you've lost some stuff along the way, you've lost some kids along the way, you've lost them to God. So no, no, no. listen, God's a perfect parent, even he has wayward children. Don't for a moment think, well, I'm now second class. This is the power of grace. As we struggle through our weakness and shame, we find the bright light of the grace of God will pick us up and transform us. Who needs the grace of God? Let me end with this story. I remember being once very down as a young man and guilt-ridden. Ah, I'd had enough of God. Isn't it? When you're full of guilt, you get really dull before God, don't you? You don't want to go near him. Why don't you play the piano? Just just, just play little, little tinkly bits. And then, and then we'll, we'll just see if we can weave it together. 
And then in a minute, I'm going to ask you to sing prophetically over people. Is that all right? Why not? I just thought that would be fun. Would you like that? I thought it would be quite cool. I just had that in the worship. I just get it. You know, let's let God do something. Come on. I love it. I think God wants to sing over some of you. Sing, oh barren woman. He wants to sing over you. This couple in our church couldn't have children. I preached sing, oh barren woman. They started to sing over themselves every morning. Within a month, she felt pregnant. And I was blessed to dedicate Jared, his name was, to the Lord 10 months later. Singing is powerful. So I haven't forgotten my story. I was, I was down and low. and I was at Bible school. And I remember I thought I had to go to morning worship. So I thought, well, I'll lie on the floor. As long as I don't snore, they'll probably think I'm spiritual. But I really was switched off internally. You ever been there? Your body's turned up at church, but your mind is at the Grand Prix, right? That's just the pastor, right? (laughs) Kidding, kidding. I'm lying there, and everyone around me is worshipping. I'm in the atmosphere of song, and I'm in need of a breakthrough of grace. Power that I can't earn. I'm a turtle. I need picking up, put in a place I can't earn for myself. Now, remember, as I lay there, suddenly I'm taken up in a vision in this atmosphere of praise and worship. And I'm stood on a mountain, and stood before me is God. And he's built like a warrior. But his feet go, I'm just a little figure on a mountain. His feet go down into the valley and his head goes up into the clouds. And he lifted his arms and he shouted, you are my son. You are my son. You are my son. And everything weak and feeble and lost and guilty inside of me started to crumble. Number one, I was embarrassed about me. I didn't even like myself. But God was willing to shout from the mountaintops, you are my son. He wanted the world to hear, you're my son. And then the other thing was I felt weak. Unable to cope. And yet here was this warrior shouting, you are my son. In other words, my DNA is in you. My genes are in. This is where you come from. The Bible says you're born from above. If you want to know where you come from, look at God. And I want him to sing over you tonight. You are my son. You are my daughter. Trust me and I'll build a highway under your feet. Trust me. My grace is greater than you could ever imagine. Christianity is not earning your way to God. It is that God has earned his way all the way to you so he can release his grace in your life. He hung on your cross so that you could sit on his throne. And you are now seated in heavenly places. And he says, you are my son. My blood has taken your punishment. My blood has taken your failure. I knew you would be nothing other than weak without me. So I took the punishment. I hung on your cross so you could come and be seated in heavenly places with me. You're my son. And when he sings over us and we realize the dignity of who we are before God, we realize in every crisis, in every pain, in all our shame, God is with me. I'll make it through to tomorrow because God is with me. And somehow in the middle of pain, I'm going to find blessing and purpose and power. I refuse to believe that God is not with me. He is on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Does anybody else need to hear this afternoon? You are his daughter. You are his son. You are his child. 
He made you for one reason. I want you to solve this in your mind. He didn't make you to use you. He didn't make you to hurt you. He made you for what? You exist for one reason. Without this reason, we would simply disappear. He made you to love you. Let him. He made you to love you. Let him. Let him give you dreams that are beyond your intelligence. Blessings that are beyond what you can earn. Strength beyond your own power. Join yourself to him and begin the wild ride of walking with God. And realize I didn't earn any of this. God has done this. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. It was a struggle. But in my struggle, I came face to face with God. Stand with me, please. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.